What's up, y'all? It's your boy Jason here at the Cowpot Bros. Come let you guys know that the date for the anniversary episode has been set, and it's going to be Thursday, April the 21st, episode 53. Mark your calendars down for that. It's going to be a good show, and the main thing is we want to hear from you. So make sure you continue to send us your messages via cowpotbros.com, the message button there, cowpotbros.gmail.com, 405-877-BROS, or just hit us up on social media and let us know what you thought about the first year of the Cow Park Bros, what you liked, didn't like, favorite moments, favorite segments, what have you. Make sure you get those to us by Thursday, April the April the 14th, the week before. So make sure we get it, have it in time to get it in for the show, okay? And no matter what, make sure you remember this. When it comes to all things Cow Park Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? Welcome to the Cal Park Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence. With me is my co-host, Jason, calling in for the Batcave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? Hey, I'm doing very well, man. It's another good Tuesday. And once again, just like last week, this is the icing on the cake, doing the show with you. Hey, man, I'm ready to get into it. And folks, I promise you, we're not talking about, you know, anybody slapping anybody else. You know, it was a good topic last week, but guess what? We're ready to move on. It's all love. Episode 51. Let's get started. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. As Jason stated, this is episode 51. Damn, that feels weird to say say that number of the Cal Park Bros podcast. Funny and initiated. Cal Park Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly podcast for fans of culture, current events, sports, life, and entertainment. And as always, we're your hosts, Terrence and Jason. And every single Thursday, we come to you with a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we loathe. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. And folks, make sure you connect with us on social media for more, more behind the scenes of the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, under the handle Cal Park Bros or Cal Park Bros Podcast. And like I said, that's where you find all behind the scenes of the show. And just and you can go there and connect with us every day. But make sure you do not forget that the Cow Park Bros podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you, I'm talking to you, listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? Like Terrence said, we are the podcast to hear and watch. Just make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing it. Yes, sir. Doing it well. Uh huh. Shout out to LL. <laughs> All right. So in the first segment, we decided we haven't talked about football in a while. And, you know, next se- season will be here before we know it. But the NFL made some some news in their offseason related to some diversity uh, initiatives that they're uh, embarking on in this 2022-23 uh, season. And I'm referencing an article from NPR uh, for Ayanna Archie. NFL is requiring teams to hire women or minorities as coaches for the 2022 season. And that article continues, National League, National Football League set forth new diversity and inclusion efforts for the 2022 season at their annual owners meeting, such as requiring its 32 teams to employ a female or member of an ethnic or racial minority as an offensive assistant, the league said in a statement. Candidates must have at least three years of collegiate or professional experience in coaching football. Those persons will receive a one-year contract with the salary and benefits, organization announced. For the roles, NFL will reimburse teams up to $200,000 in 2022 and $205,000 in 2023 from a league fund for coaches. 
in recent years, offensive uh, head coaches had had predominantly uh, offensive backgrounds. Uh, the NFL said, we believe this resolution will assist greatly in continuing to source and identify diverse candidates earlier in their career, providing pipeline depth and furthering developing the diverse offensive pipeline. That's a mouthful. So according to league data, the percentage of people of color in coaching positions increased from 35% in 2020 to 39% in 2021. I am also curious what they mean by people of color. <laughs> uh, and I'm not trying to get too cute with it, Jason. I just, I think, one, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful initiative, assuming that results in, as they mentioned, getting more women involved in the game. Um, from the coaching perspective, um, more, more, more people of color, as they stated. Um, and I think that's a win, not only for women and people of color, but also it's a win for football because you're getting, you're getting more, um, diverse talent in the pipeline, as they said, almost like, uh, like a, uh, triple a baseball team. See, you said I don't talk baseball, and yet here I just dropped a baseball reference talking about the NFL. <laughs> so now that you know a little bit about this initiative, Jason, what are some of your initial thoughts on this? First of all, that was a very token baseball reference. Just to, you just made a baseball reference just to make a baseball reference, just to have a baseball reference so you can say you made a baseball reference. That's all it was. Token. Don't do that, bro. You're better than that. Be better. Checking a box. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And speaking of checking a box, no. Uh, well, and to be honest with you, that was kind of my first thought when I first saw that the NFL was going to require, quote unquote, um, teams to hire a POC or a, a, a woman to be an offensive assistant. Like, okay. So are we just hiring people just to be hiring people now so we can check a box, so we can be have a token in there? Um, but then I, I – I saw the part about candidates must have three years of collegiate or professional experience in coaching football. So it's not just any random individual. It has to be, it has to be somebody who has a little bit of experience. So, okay, good. So not just hiring anybody, which, you know, which is good again, not in the tokens. So, um, but the other thing that I had have a little pause about was the fact that they're, the NFL is going to reimburse teams for, you know, even though it's from a league fund for coaches, they're going to reimburse teams up to $200,000 this year and 205 next year or next season, 2023. And my thought is, well, wait a minute. Why do we need to incentivize these teams to do this as opposed to just, I mean, isn't it already required? So if it's required, why do we need to incentivize them to do it? That, short that answer, kind of short answer they, they ass ain't doing it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and here's another thing: that an article's not mentioning this, and maybe they're maybe they're not worried about it because, again, now that it's required and you're gonna give teams money, they're probably not worried about somebody not doing it. But my question is: well, what if a team doesn't do it? Then what? Then what are you gonna Same. do? I mean, what's what's the penalty for not operating in good faith for the Rooney Rule? Effectively, well, nothing. Right, so then is really required, and again, the NFL is not required to let us know what their punishments are for teams that don't follow any of their rules. They're not required to let us know, but I do find it funny that they're using the word "require" and all this stuff, 
But as now mentioned, when it comes to anything, when it comes to what's going to happen if a team refuse, refuses to do so for whatever reason. Not, not saying they'll be outright defiant and not do it, but what if they don't? Well, I, that, I just think that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, these teams at this, these teams at this point, they know the rules and in an almost Belichickian fashion, they know how to skirt around them, <laughs> you know? And at this point, some of these teams are doing it for sport. I mean, the stakes are way higher for the Rooney rule. And, I mean, and, I mean, and, go ahead. I mean, now, now, of course, there are some teams that already have a POC or a female in these roles, so they're already good and covered. Now, what that percentage is, I don't know. I didn't look into it, to be honest, but I know they do. But I obviously, the NFL is going for 100%, which, hey, if every team complies, great. In addition to being given being given two hundred grand to pay these people, I don't know why a team wouldn't. So, like I said, I guess we'll see who's going to be the one of thirty two to not do it. Um, overall, though, general premise, it's a good thing. Like you mentioned, Rooney Rule. We talked about this uh, so many episodes ago. The Rooney Rule and how it's been around for nineteen twenty years, and it doesn't work. Because the premise of the Rooney Rule was, yeah, you can you have to, you have to interview people. But obviously, it's up to you to still hire them or not. And obviously, most cases, it's not. Now, this is a requirement. So teams have to do it, quote unquote, right? So and it's not just interviewing. You have to hire them. So you can find the right candidate that you want, but you better hire somebody. And it better be somebody in these one of these two categories or both. Make it a PLC female, double down. You know, great. I'm sure there's a shortage of PLC females in the coaching ranks. That'd be pretty awesome. We're already talking about, you know, getting getting a uh, a black woman in the Supreme Court. Why not, you know, have one and the same thing in the coaching ranks of the NFL? Why not? It'd be a, it'd be a better day uh, in the world. Diversifying the NFL and the Supreme Court. America's winning, folks. America's winning. Go ahead, bud. I, I think for one, We've called out the fact that you're never going to get 100% enforcement. Hell, you might not even get 50% enforcement. But you still have to start somewhere. Um, Issues with the Rooney rule. And it's funny because NPR also references the Rooney rule is that at least two external minorities must be interviewed for head coaching positions. And one minority must be interviewed for a coordinator job. And another thing that, that's brought up here is that previously women could only satisfy the requirement for positions such as club president and senior executive. I found that pretty interesting because it's like, okay, we can fill this role out for <clears throat> at the executive level. Women can be executives in the NFL, but that but it wasn't applied to coaching. So I found that so interesting that women can be, you know, obviously targeted for the high executive roles, but not, you know. They can't. They can't be with the men coaching them up. They can't do that, you know. Um, again, not to cut you off. I, I just remember reading that and find that very interesting. No, yeah, I think I, it's important. Yeah. I brought. I brought that up. I was like, oh, it, it's funny. Until until we bring up these things, we don't even understand 
a lot of a lot of the human resources behind these these squads. See, we're so fixated on, you know, basically the big three. You got your head coach, you got your offensive coordinator, you got your defensive coordinator. And and sometimes if we're lucky, especially if we hate our team's GM, we'll fo- we'll fixate on the on the GM. So that's literally four uh positions within the front office that the average fan gives a damn about. That they either swear They'd invite him to the cookout this summer because they love him. Or (laughs) it's probably been writing them hate mail on social media for the last 20 years. So I think it's important that they're, they're shining a light on certain positions, you know, and they said, it's not just, it can't just be about head coach because you're not going to have a pipeline. If you only focus on head coach, hell, Eric Bieniemy has been a fucking assistant for God knows how long, and can't seem to get a head coaching job. So, his best hope is Andy Reid just daps him up on his way out and rides into the sunset. His best hope. Same deal with uh, Bruce Arians. You almost need, in those scenarios, you need the hookup. You need the hookup. Holla if you hear me. Right, and so. Sounds like what the NFL is attempting to do is try to make it easier to get the hookup. Which, which again, premise-wise, isn't a bad, a bad thing. You know, uh, you mentioned Eric Bieniemy. We also got um, Byron Leftwich in, in Tampa behind Bruce Arians. And I, I, almost, I almost agree with you that it may, it may take those two individuals, Andy Reid and Bruce Arians, retiring for those two people to be able to Hopefully, hopefully, because you would think that everybody recognizes that Bienemy and Leftwich are definitely good head coaching candidates. So you would think that just the removal of Reed and Arians would okay. These two definitely will get interviews with the team they're currently on, Tampa Bay and Kansas City. But I guess that's what a ruling rule comes into play. Yeah, I could interview you, Leftwich and, and Bienemy, but I ain't gotta hire you because obviously. It depends on who else is out there and, and available, right? Um, I, I, I can't. Uh, Urban Meyer, who obviously, who obviously got fired during the season, you know, this past season during the year. But the fact of the matter is, the Jaguars, the cons, not it's not C O N, but the K H A N cons, they decided to go with Urban Meyer, which I'm sure they regret it now. As opposed to going with the left, which and I, I don't know if they interviewed these guys or not. But the fact of the matter is, Urban Meyer came out of nowhere, wasn't even coaching anywhere last year, but all of a sudden he came out, of, you know, got the job. So, so maybe that's what it'll take. Like you said, the enemy and left, which staying where they're at, holding strong, and hoping one day uh, the big bosses move on and retire. Uh, I do want to mention a few other things that were kind of approved and announced um, on Monday is there was also a pledge from the league ownership to increase diversity among owners. So, again, among owners. A statement from ownership read, in part, which includes Art Rooney from the Steelers, membership will regard it as a positive and meaningful factor if the group includes diverse individuals who would have significant equity stake in an involvement with the club, including serving as a controlling owner of the club. The league currently has zero black owners. So I, w- I want to point that one out in particular because we've 
I think in our, even in our conversation in the past, we pretty much focused on coaching and maybe some parts at the executive level as well, but not even mentioning ownership. I didn't necessarily think, realize that the NFL didn't have any black owners. And I think because we see it happening in other sports like the uh, uh, NBA, other sports, I think even MLB for that matter, um, so you just would have thought for sure the NFL would have had at least one black owner. Well, as of you know, Monday, they didn't. Now, they did also make it a point, which I'm sure I know why, based off the, what I just said, they did make it a point to let it be known that the Denver Broncos, who are currently up for sale, some of the bid, people bidding on that do include minority owners, or at least somebody within that group who is, you know, has a majority stake and also is a minority. So they wanted to point that out. Also, they are planning on creating an external diversity advisory committee composed of a DEI, which I'm sure is diversity, uh, quality, and inclusion experts and attorneys, as well as former Texan general manager Rick Smith to review the NFL's diversity policies. So, again, somebody, again, at least on paper, you know, reviewing the NFL's policies on diversity and making sure they stay, you know, relevant, current, and actually up to date and not just lagging behind, you know. So I just want to point those things out, especially the part about them putting a focus on getting more black ownership in the NFL. I mean, it is 2022. There are black millionaires in this country. We know that. And some black billionaires. So let's get one of them to be an owner somewhere. There you go. Yeah. I When I hear about all of the, the DEI uh, – initiatives i think on one hand that's great i think also on the other hand man they about to build a wall of ways in which they can effectively have it be toothless because their best game is to encourage which they know that you can't require this shit you can't you can that's just not who the NFL is. And I think there's a reason why the NFL is that way, because that's how America is. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I said earlier that when the, when, I, when the article reads the NFL is requiring them to hire a POC or a woman for these uh, positions, an offensive assistant, and I, I, I kind of mentioned tokenism, things like that, and obviously my mind also went to things like affirmative action, like just hiring a black person just to hire a black person. Um, well, that's not exactly the idea behind it, affirmative action. Well, well, I, I know, but I'm just, I'm just saying. That right. When you say it like that, I'm like, dog, we, we, we gotta have a fucking disclaimer, dog. So. Well, you just said it, so there you go. But, <laughs> but, but point, point is that it just seemed like the NFL say, "Hey, hire black persons to hire black persons." We, look, we starting to look bad on this. Rooney Rule, rules not working. You guys aren't doing what you're supposed to do, or take take that back. You guys aren't doing what we hoped you would do. So now we're going to make it a quote unquote requirement. But hey, we'll also pay you too. Yeah, I I kind of think that part puts a little small damper on it. The fact that they're reimbursing people to do it. it's like it's like hey, you doing this on your own merit isn't good enough. So here's this extra six figure, you know, incentive to say hey. We're going to require you to do this, but just in case you still decide not to, even though it's a requirement, here's some money for you. 
So yeah, what's two hundred thousand dollars when each team the the shittiest football team is got to be worth what millions of dollars? Well, I mean they are. You're correct, and, and I I I see where you're going with that. Yeah, you wouldn't think that'd be a small motivating factor, but the fact that now I don't have to pay you, like. Like if I was hesitant to hire anybody who's a POC or a female, or about I don't you know based on my own merits, I was kind of hesitant to do it. And now, I, now I have the actually added bonus of I don't have to pay you. I agree with you. Two hundred thousand bucks is it should be a drop in the bucket as far as revenue wise to these individuals, but still, like we always say. Millionaires like being millionaires. They want to save money like that, like you know, however they can too. So, two hundred thousand dollars doesn't sound like much, but guess what? It's still two hundred thousand dollars. They don't have to spend. So, yeah, it's it just sounds like a salary cap hit, basically. And so that would be my one. I mean, they're not penalizing them. They're just like I said, they're encouraging. Um, and but so I, it being a requirement isn't a requirement, quote unquote, isn't encouragement enough. Like no requirement, as in you have to do this. So shouldn't right? I mean, isn't that what requirement supposed to mean? I mean, I lost my job because I didn't follow a requirement. So isn't that what requirement means? Yeah, but the difference is we're not taught. The difference is you aren't valued at two billion dollars. Well, well, hang on now. We're not. Well, well, hang on now. I hear you, and I agree with you. But we've been, but teams have been fined for a lot worse things. Some cases, some some more than others. So, my thought is, if it's going to be a requirement, there should be no incentive needed because I'm requiring you to do this, and the incentive for you to do it is for you not to get punished for it. I'm not saying it has to be a major punishment, obviously, but requirement should be enough. Yeah, I don't hang. I don't hang on that word too much. Requirement doesn't mean a whole damn bunch to me, especially for the National Football League. I'm not agreeing with you, and that, but that's the problem. That's a problem. Yeah, it, it, I I think I understand why you're hung up on it, and I totally understand it because yours in your in your mind, it's like, listen, if it's good enough for the goose, it's good enough for the gander. Well, but but also too, they're making a point to put it out there in all the media uh, releases about this that it's a requirement, right? That's not me saying it; that's them saying it. Right, but they're saying it not for them; they're saying it for us. Well, <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's why I'm I'm laughing it off because the, there is certainly some PR minutia in there. There's a lot of this is optics, facts, and a lot of companies. Want to talk to talk, but they don't want to walk to walk when it comes to 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 DEI issues. Okay, and so, and in the case of the National Football League, it's not one business; it's thirty two of them. So, well, that's 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 a topic for a different conversation. But point taken, and I yeah. I, I, don't, I don't I don't agree. I, I don't dis, I don't disagree. Excuse me, but um, yeah. Is what it is, and uh, we'll just have to see if it, how this works. Hopefully, better than the Rudy rule. So, yeah, yeah, I think 
we, 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 we cross our fingers for a hope for a great implementation, but I think our skepticism is well earned. All right. That concludes our first segment on the National Football League uh, with DEI uh, initiatives. Coming up next, we're going to talk about people that have Amazon Guild on Cal Park Brothers. Paul, you really screwed up by not hitting send on your message last week. It was the 50th episode. The bros are mad at you. Oh, come on, computer. You don't know what you're talking about. The bros know that I'm still down. I've been on like 40 of the 50th episodes. I just forgot to hit send on the button. You know, it was a long work week. I've been working hard. Oh, really? Then how come Terrence was looking for a new message guy and Jason was looking up how to let someone know they are fired? You know what, computer? I don't really like how you're talking to me right now. You know what? Maybe I let you go. All right, how would you like that? Oh, now we're speaking German? You know what? Cal Park Bros, though, that I'm down. That I'm a Cal Park Bros stalker. I like. I subscribe. I do all that fun stuff. Terrence, Jason, don't listen to my computer. Let's get this podcast rolling, boys. See ya! Welcome back to Cal Park Bros Podcast. Jason and I are fresh off the segment discussing the National Football League, diversity, what does the E stand for? It fucks me up every time because I hear E and I think equity. Well, I think it's close. I'm pretty sure it's like equality. Got it. And then I is, of course, inclusion. But yeah, Very good. Fuck, but yeah, acronym fucks me up every time. I get, <laughs> I get, I get the diversity, and then I, my brain just turns to fucking Jello. So <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You want to mess up Terrence? Throw him a bunch of acronyms and ruins the day. There you go. Yeah. Ha- acronyms are horrible. Spell that shit out. Anyway, segment two, we need to talk about Amazon guilt. And a- apparently with Amazon and Amazon workers making a push for un- union, 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 unionization, if I can say that word correctly, we're starting to see some pushback on the general public and some sense of uh, ethical dilemma when it comes to e-commerce and how the sausage is made. And some consumers, they're, they're, they're finally starting to put two and two together and be like, oh, damn, well, that would explain why. This two-day shipping is so clutch. Yeah, because somebody is in a damn factory somewhere, probably working crazy hours to make sure that all that shit gets boxed up so you can pick it up in a day or two. Yeah. Yeah. And so when, for example, especially when COVID hit, you had examples of, hey, we don't even have the proper equipment, PPE. I'm like, meanwhile, your boss fucking blasting off to the stratosphere. How the richest damn company in the world don't have what they supposed to have for their employees. And so, yeah, that that is an ethical dilemma. You look at any good or service, there could be an ethical dilemma. I think for a lot of folks, 
it was just easier to ignore because it was Amazon. The same shit's been going down at Walmart for the last 30 years. How do you think the Waldens became the Waldens? Jason, what are your thoughts when people start to become kind of self-aware of these companies, the amount of money that, we're, that the average consumer is throwing at them, and then the realization that, hey, in some instances, maybe they're not treating their employees well. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what kind of sparked this to be a topic is that I was kind of goofing around on CNN and there was a interview, a video interview of one of the reporters talking to a union labor you know, organizer for Amazon. And basically he was on there. It's like a two minute interview, but he's on there discussing what they're pushing for, what they're fighting for, things like that. But the last question that she asked was, hey, should people who shop at Amazon, for lack of a better word, feel guilty or should they still shop from Amazon knowing that all these issues are going on for the employees of Amazon? Um, that's how that kind of started. But I'm glad you pointed out Walmart and because obviously the problem necessarily isn't exclusive to Amazon or Walmart for that matter. It can probably be applied to any large bodied organization that has tons of employees, especially ones that have to unionize, which includes Walmart and Amazon. It's things uh, things to think about. Should we be shopping there, supporting the businesses who are putting these employees through these things? Um, also, it's it's I found it interesting that you mentioned people can easier turn a blind eye to certain things because you don't see it, right? If, if it wasn't in the papers, if it wasn't an interview like this out that I just mentioned, I wouldn't be fully aware of this. I wouldn't see it. So it'd be easy to turn a blind eye to these things, either intentionally or otherwise, and just keep doing what you're doing. And for some people who do know what happened, they can still ride with that guilt and still continue to purchase the things they want from these companies. I have more information about that as well. Um, but I, I guess that's kind of... Another thing to think about as well is that it's about consistency, I guess, too, because I can understand why somebody might feel guilty from buying from Amazon specifically. And I even know people that refuse to buy from Amazon for you know for multi a multitude of reasons, not just their employee labor situations, also just the the earth what what they call it, the uh, uh, environmental reasons behind not shopping Amazon as well. Um, but then I guess you also have to kind of apply that same logic to pretty much everywhere you're going to buy your stuff from. Because if you're going to refrain from shopping from Amazon and Walmart, but basically give your money to, to somebody else who's doing the same things. Right. But doesn't have maybe as big of a name. Um, well, I guess it depends on what we're talking about here. Because, you know, one of the other, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, okay, what other companies on top of my head can I think of that might fall in the, in general, fall in the same category, potentially, like Amazon and Walmart, even if they make less money and have a lesser name. The next thing that came to my mind was Whole Foods. And I, I you laugh. I say that. I'm not sure if no, there's no. any... Go ahead. No, no. I didn't, I didn't laugh. I, I want to hear you cook. Let's do it. I mean, the reason why I think about them, I'm not sure how many Whole Foods there are in the Chicagoland area, because I, I don't recall seeing any there myself. I'm sure there's some. But there are definitely some here in the indie area. And I'll say that now I can't speak for every Whole Foods everywhere, but I know they 
on some level have a union. I believe I remember reading that correctly. And I definitely know there are some employees at the very least here in the Indianapolis area and other parts of Indiana as well who say that their company has issues too when it comes to maybe not to the highest degree of uh, the what Amazon employees are, de- are dealing with, but some of the same stuff. Now, obviously, as we, you and I both know, there is now a connection between Whole Foods and Amazon. But that goes also what I'm saying is that if you're not going to shop from Amazon because you don't want to support them, then now all of a sudden now you got to start cutting off people that work with Amazon, which is a lot of organizations, including Whole Foods. So definitely not saying that somebody shouldn't feel guilty for shopping at these places. They're not saying anybody shouldn't also refrain from not shopping at these places. But also keep that stuff in mind when it comes to consistency, when it comes to, okay, if I'm not going to support this company because of that, now I may need to look into every other aspect of the place where I shop to make sure I'm being consistent. They're not and doing I, that. And I, I, I agree. I agree. But that's, you know, sometimes it's important in life to be consistent. And also, I don't want to throw, throw, throw out the term hypocrite or anything, but consistency. And I agree with you. Not everyone's doing that. Because I'll say Amazon is the big one. It's the big bucks. It's the number one highest making money company in, in the world. So I'll say all eyes are going to be on them when it comes to what they do. And, and in some ways, Walmart's probably happy because all the tens have been taken away from them and what they do to their employees or like thereof. So, so go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, Jason, that there's consistency and then there's just being self-righteous for the sake of being self-righteous. You know, people, I, for example, people that swore up and down, oh, man, I'm a boycott. I'm a boycott ESPN. I'm a boycott um, uh, D- Disney uh, because of the worldwide network stance on, you know, actually not even promoting, but just reporting uh, issues, social justice, George Floyd, actually making sure that athletes felt heard. And people would say, I'm tired of seeing this. I don't want this. I want my sports to be my sports. I don't want to, I don't want to tune this in. I don't want to tune into this. And then they proceed to forget, oh shit. I'm still subscribing to ABC. Exactly my point. A company directly related to Disney, ESPN, exactly my point. I agree completely. Now, yeah, there are some people that actually follow through on what they say they're going to do and stop watching ESPN, Disney, all stuff like that. But I agree with you. I have to imagine, and I could be wrong, of course, but I have to imagine I agree with you that the people actually stick to that stuff and actually, again, are consistent when it comes to, in your example, stay away from ABC, Disney, ESPN, any of the ESPN um, uh, sister stuff, you know, same thing. But, but yeah, some people are all talk. Some people will forget as soon as their team's playing again because it's their team, right? Um, which is what it is, you know. Um, but, you know, I guess, and that's just another example of people riding with that guilt. They may not, they still may not like what they see on ESPN when it comes to uh, too much politics, which, again, folks, you know, social justice is not politics. So let's just stop that right there. Well, they could be. No, 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 no. Stop. That's another, that's Stop. another segment. <laughs> Folks, we were just giving you two topics for episode 52. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, man. It's it's always funny. It's like, dog, how you gonna tell me you boycotting ESPN, but I got I hear the Ocho on in the background. Stop it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I mean, kind of getting back to what we're talking about in general, um, as far as the Amazon guilt. And I, I guess when it comes to the question, is should people feel guilty from buying for Amazon? That's not something. I mean, I could say they should or shouldn't. But that's not really for me to say. That's really for each individual to say. I mean, if you can, if you can read that question out loud, should I feel guilty about buying from Amazon? Knowing the reasons why you should or shouldn't. And there you go. That's your opinion there. If you still feel guilty after knowing all that stuff, then there's your answer. And if you don't, then there's also your answer too. It's up to yeah, each I individual, think, you know? I, I think when someone says, should you feel guilty, my first response would be, first off, why do you feel guilty? We, we have all bought shit from places that whoever is in charge probably has a different opinion about something than we do. And the question is, will simply going somewhere else actually resolve your issue? Well, that's a very interesting question. When you say resolve your issue, like what do you mean? So if someone says, hey, I have a problem with a company that uses plastic and packaging, I'm like, well, okay, well shit, good luck finding one. Uh, I, <laughs> I feel like this fight, perfect example, paper straws. Um, you know, people say, Hey, that's more, that's more, that's more, uh, better for the environment. And I'm saying when I'm paying damn near $8 for a specialty drink, I don't give a damn about the environment. <laughs> give me a real straw, especially at the United center. That's ridiculous. Well, and that's exactly my point though, too. It's all about, but that's goes to my point. Obviously you don't feel as bad about that. And that's, that's your thing. Not everyone is into as into that as other people. It's all about how I guess, for lack of a better word, how passionate you are about a certain thing. You know, if you're if you're passionate about it, yeah, then you're probably gonna go to the 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 nth degree as far as you can go, as far as possible and practical to avoid avoid that stuff. Now, obviously, there's only so much you can do. Like like the example you said, companies that aren't using plastic, you know. Um, Plastic, you know, wrapping and stuff like that. They're they're out there. You just got to find them, and unfortunately, probably pay the price for it. But if you're willing to do it, then do it. Now, obviously, when it comes to Amazon, there's plenty of other places you can go to buy whatever you're looking to buy. So it's not like if you have any kind of problem with Amazon, it's not like you can't just stop buying from them, right? I mean, this is the internet. There's no shortage of places to buy whatever whatever it is you're looking for. I know Amazon has everything, but guess what? So does the internet. Find it. Yeah. I also think there is a fundamental misunderstanding of just e-commerce in general. Like, How so? Uh, Amazon, everything that Amazon sells isn't necessarily made by Amazon. You have a lot of mom and pop shopkeepers that just have a storefront within Amazon. True. And so when you're when you're trying to tell someone, hey, we're going to boycott them or hey, I I have uh 
some ethical concerns. I'm like, okay. It sounds like you have some ethical concerns about the name. There, hell, there might be some mom and pop screwing over some 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 teenage kid over over you know making sure their hours are clocked clocked properly. Fair. But because it's a big name and it's getting the most pub, we throw our energy towards something that we may not even 100% understand. Well, I don't know, man. I, I kind of feel like most people do record, if you shop at Amazon anyway, most people know, I agree with you, that what you're buying on Amazon isn't necessarily an Amazon product or something coming like an Amazon good. You know what I mean? There's there's other people that other companies that have storefronts on there, and you're really buying it from them. Like, like the like the last thing I've got from Amazon was like a like a, a um what was it uh, was uh, a bag of um, vital wheat gluten. Now, obviously, Amazon didn't sell vital wheat gluten, but the company that does sell it, they just have it on Amazon to get sold because because it's better for the company. It's more exposure for them, but. Still, even so, in buying that product, you're still supporting Amazon. Maybe not as much as again, if you're buying like some of their actual stuff. I agree, but you're still paying for the service. Am I am I correct? And that's what partially what keeps Amazon going. So if you're not wanting to support that in any way whatsoever, even obviously, like you just said, even at the cost of hurting that mom and pop, because and I and I hate saying hurting because obviously you know potentially we're talking about a smaller grand scheme of individuals, but to the individual, I'm still choosing not to support Amazon despite the fact that I'm also hurting that mom and pop. So, Yeah. Yeah. I, when I say boycott, I mean it in quotations because kind of the same way Chris Rock used boycott in relation to Jada Pinkett Smith. Stop. <laughs> but yeah, just- I, we just cannot escape that topic, sir. Come on, move forward. Hey, man. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's funny when people say, hey, I don't want to do business with this company. And that's fine. But at least understand all of the logistics of why you don't want to do it. You know, that's, that's my only thing. It's your money. Spend it guilt-free is Terrence, Terrence's recommendation. Well, and that's, but that's what people, people are trying to do. Spend money guilt free. I mean, I mean, I'd say, like I said, if, like I said, and again, we're, we're talking about Amazon again, but this apply this to whatever company we're talking about. If if you're paying this company f- uh, for whatever service or product, and you feel guilty about it, examine why you feel guilty, and then once you figure that out, stop doing it. I I agree with you. So, but you know, spend your money guilt free. But how many people are actually not doing that? They're still buying. And shopping these places again, not just Amazon, with guilt, probably because it's more convenient. Whatever, which is also up to them as well. But yeah, people that want to shop guilt-free, but they either don't or they won't. They just keep the guilt and keep doing it. Yep. All right. That concludes our two-day guilt shipping segment. <laughs> nice. Coming up, coming up next, we're gonna be talking about that one show that Jason made me watch earlier this year. Bel Air, coming up next, Cal Park Bros.
Welcome back to Cal Park Bros Podcast. Jason and I are fresh off the subject segment and the subject of Amazon guilt. I don't even think some of these people are even feel bad. They just want attention. <laughs> no comment. Uh, in the in the third and final segment of episode 51, we're gonna be talking about a show that Jason just would not relent and just let me be. Um, and he insisted that I should watch the first two episodes. And that show is Bel Air. And historically, I do not like remakes. I do not like remakes. I do not like remakes. Like, motherfuckers do not like Green Eggs and Ham, okay? But this is a one time I'm willing to give my co-host credit. <laughs> it's a good-ass show, dog. Bel Air is a good-ass show. And the reason it's a good-ass show is because it's not a remake in the historical sense. It's a reimagining. The names are the same, but this has an identity of its own. And so first, first two episodes in, I'm like, okay, the backdrop of the Philly story and how Will ends up in Bel Air. And I realized, like, oh, shit. Okay. Just somebody took some thought about how this is going to play out. And it helps that the act, number one, actors were really, really good. Um, from, the, from the kids, you know, they, they, they nailed it uh, with uh, Jabari Banks. Like, if you don't, if you don't figure Will out, <laughs> then this show's dead in the water anyway. Um, but he's Will on his own. Like, I don't feel like it's not the Fresh Prince in 2022. It's something of its own. It's its own animal. And I think that was a smart play. I think, number one, actors, killing it. Music, killing it. Um, engaging storyline. I mean, I definitely... Once I once I got on board with the first two episodes, I was like, all right, bet. I'm in. When's the next one coming out? And I just slowly but surely started to kind of ramp up and say, okay, like what what's next for this show? And now that the first season is in the can, I'm like, okay. Like, I can't wait what you guys have to offer up for season two. So I just want to give you some props. So one time I'm going to say you was right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, dog, this, the show, the show's good. Show's good. And I'll just leave, I'll leave it at that. What are your thoughts on the first season of Bel Air? First of all, let me turn my chair this way so I can appropriately go. give you the side eye. Here we go. For everything you just said. First of all, First of all, I want to mention this. When it comes to the topic we're talking about right now, this was Terrence's idea to talk about this. Not that I don't want to talk about it, but this is Terrence's idea. He wanted to, he wants to mention the fact that I I had to you know poke and prod him just to actually get him to watch the, the first two episodes. That part's true. But Terrence actually wanted to talk about this on his own merits right now. So hey, I, I will I will take I will gladly take your you're right, Jason. About the show being good, and I would gladly say I told you so. 
So you're welcome. Um, question. I have a quick question for you. What's up? All the stuff that you said that you liked about the show and what made it good, what would you say if I told you that somebody or multiple people, every reason that you said the show was good, they said those are the exact reasons why the show wasn't good. What would you say to that? So, for example, individuals said they didn't like the fact that it was a reimagining. They didn't like the reimagining, didn't like the acting, didn't like the music, didn't, um, they didn't like anything. And like everything you said, everything you just said, you know, two minutes ago, that you liked about it and was good about the show, pretty much I found plenty of reviews saying those are the exact reasons why they didn't like it, which I'll go oh. more into, which I'll go more into. But yeah. No. I want to hear you respond to that though. Yeah, I would say it sounds like they expected the same damn show 30 years later. That's the only response that I can think of why someone wouldn't enjoy this reimagining. Is that is that they and of course people have a romanticized idea about the property that is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Great fucking show. Um James Avery uber talented um and, and i'm that's just one guy i mentioned him because i loved him in fresh prince and i also loved him in some of this in animated stuff for teenage mutant ninja turtles so i i feel like there's a lot of black star power and of course that's where the world got introduced to will smith and you know, a grateful nation thanks us, thanks thanks them for that. Um, but I don't look at that as a reason to not appreciate what's being done with the with the new version that is not even remotely a comedy or a sitcom. You feel me? Totally mm -hmm. a drama. What was the fact that it wasn't the same as the original or? The fact that it wasn't the same genre or the same as the original one or close to it, is that, is that one of the reasons why you were hesitant to watch it originally? I think the reason I was hesitant to watch it is because, in general, I the last remake that people tried to get me on board with was when Roseanne came back, and that was a fucking dumpster fire. Well, that's not even a remake, bro. It's just, so that was more like a continuation of the, of the previous show. So I wouldn't even call that a remake. See, I was... I... This is where we're going to get really fucking nerdy. And this is why we probably haven't talked TV shows a lot on Cal Park Bros. Is Which because, is going to change in the future, by the way. Yeah, because for me, I would... I, ne I did, never considered it to be a continue continuation necessarily because they basically <laughs> like retconned that Dan dies. And for okay. me, I was like... And for me, I was like, hold up, fam. Like, you can't even talk about the, the Roseanne show without John Goodman. Like, I'm not cool with acting like motherfuckers didn't even exist. And so I kind of mentally checked out as soon as that was presented. And the fact that Roseanne Barr kind of self-destructed um, on her own, and they kind of had to improvise and then turn it into the Connors, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. Okay, fair enough. Um... So just my personal thoughts about the show, and we'll go more into reviews of the show uh, a little bit later. 
But my thoughts on the show, I was on board from the jump. I liked, before I even saw the first episode, I liked the idea, the fact that it was different. I, like we just mentioned, I don't consider this a reboot or remake. Because yes, there are plenty of aspects of Bel Air that correlate to probably the important aspects of the Fresh Prince. Obviously, all the names are the same. The general premise of got one little fight in Philly, my moved in, moved into Bel Air. That general premise is still the same. I, I think you could you couldn't change that. You had to keep that part the same to make it work. But all the little small things, I think, would make it good. A lot of the characters are still the same. Not the main character. The main characters are pretty... Well, even that's not true. A lot of the small changes, even to the main characters, I think, or make the show kind of cool. Even from the fact... I said, Will's obviously the same. Basketball player, Philly, good grades, charmer. People love him. That part's the same. But from every, every, everybody else, Uncle Phil is not a bigger guy. It's like he's a, you know... A uh, dark skinned, good looking, somewhat in shape black man. You know, the fuck are you so, trying to say? <laughs> you heard me, dog. But uh, but but, but I'm just saying it's a difference. You know, Hillary, she's not a ditz. She's actually, even though she's still opposed to working, just like in the in the like actual work, just like an actual Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But she's not a ditz. You know, she's actually trying to you know come up in the social media world. So there's that. Obviously, you have Ashley, who. And this is what another thing some people say they don't they don't like the fact oh, that yeah. Ash, the fact the fact that Ashley in in Bel Air is you know outwardly or at least started to come out outwardly as a character part of the LGBTQ community. So there's that as well. Uh, Jazz him you know Jazz isn't necessarily a best friend of Will necessarily. It's just somebody who happened to be his Uber driver and got him to the house and they connected and bonded that way. But I also like the fact though that Jazz and Hillary still had that connection. Well, if it's more of like they're, they're it's mutual, they're feeling each other as opposed to Hillary trying to push him away. Um, there's some little small differences there. There's still a Trey um, in, in the show, Trey who was played by Don Cheadle in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Bel Air way back then. The fact that they finally introduced uh, Will's dad in the show, originally played by Ben Vereen in, in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, now played by Marlon Wayans in this one. So there's a lot of big differences, whatnot, a lot of similarities. Probably another big difference I saw people didn't like was the fact that Carlton had a drug uh, a drug problem in, in Bel Air. I saw people that didn't like that as well. Um, but again, I actually like those small differences because I thought it was kind of cool. People want to. I know when it came out, there were jokes about you know them trying to make Fresh Prince into like a dark comedy. The Saturday Night Live did this whole thing skit about making Family Matters a dark. <laughs> a dark thing where Urkel was like, you know, like shooting people and stuff like that. <laughs> Which that was pretty funny, actually. But that notwithstanding, I actually liked the show. I wasn't expecting too much from the show. So not like I was expecting anything Oscar worthy or nothing like that. Um, well, not now. Shit. Well, 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 yeah, definitely not. Yeah, this, this show might not be getting an Oscar for a while just because of who it's attached to. So. Um, but yeah, I like the show. I thought it was really good. Like you, I look forward to season two. I have a feeling about what direction, at least some of the, I mean, definitely the last two episodes of Bel Air season one, they're giving you storylines for what's going to happen as far as storyline wise for season two. I think the biggest one is probably going to involve Will and his dad somehow. Um, I kind of feel like you can't really escape that too much, 
personally. That's just me. Um, but yeah. So another thing I do want to say, though, I did read a lot of reviews when it comes to Basically, long story short, and I get more into it. I want to let you jump in. When it comes to sites like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, things like that, they did not give a whole lot of love to this show, uh, as well as some other entertainment sites as well. But um, what I think I kind of touched on this before, but perhaps you can go into your thoughts on this. What do you think, before I even go into it, what do you think the issues that some of the experts and professionals who do this for a living, what do you think their thoughts were when it comes to why they thought it wasn't very good? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I've never really fixated on, at least for this particular show, like, listen, typically I don't, I don't pay particularly close attention to stuff like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or any of that shit for TV shows. I feel like mm-hmm. that's something that people probably care more about for like movies, like your blockbusters. For for me, it's just got to be like, okay, I, it's more organic. It's more word of mouth. I think that's how this happened. You know, Universal dropped those first two episodes for free right after the Super Bowl, right? And then word of mouth got around about a month after. Say, hey, man, this is a really good show. Hey, man, this is a really good show. And then, of course, I got assholes like you telling me, hey, man, that was a pretty good show. You should check it out. And then I finally do in in March. And then that's what I it just hit it in the, in, in the binge mode, dog. I just put that shit in high gear. I was like, okay, that was good. I feel like if a show is 60 minutes, and you and it can hold my attention and or if i hear a song i like like i i had just i had Shazam out like a motherfucker for those first two two episodes i'm like okay i don't know who the hell this is but i might have to add this to the playlist and you know i can appreciate they 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 definitely it's like hey they they took some of the philly music when he's in philly and they took some of the the you know the California vibe, excuse me, music. Once he's out in Bel Air, and so I I appreciated that because I love music from both areas. Um, I also like that the show touches on the fact that because the the family is is wealthy and black, they're dealing with issues of wealth and class. You got motherfuckers back from back from their hometown, basically saying, "Hey, man, you forgot about us." The that internal community strife when people want something better for themselves, but also at the same time, you got someone trying to tell you that you're not really down. You know, Jason, you and I have dealt with that where people feel like, "Okay, are you really black?" Just because you like certain fucking ice cream or types of music. Or other whack shit like that. And so I think that resonates with dudes like us and other black men um, and and black women to that extent, too. I mean, there is a lot of, you know, strong black women in this show. Um, I I do think it's fucking wild 
that people got pissed off that uh, Ashley, who is how old in the fucking show again? What, like 14? Uh, no, oh, not even that young. She, I think she's like, uh, she, I think, it's like she's like pre-high school. It's maybe 12, 13. So, yeah. It's okay. So, she's 12, 13. She is finding herself. She's actually confiding with an older sibling about those feelings. And so, basically, it would have been cool if if she was if she was into dudes is what I'm hearing. Basically, is what I'm hearing. You know what? So when it comes to that specifically, I don't think people are so much mad at the general thought of this character doesn't like dudes as more of. And even though I haven't seen this necessarily, well, actually, I did. So take that back. So what it is, people are really tired of what they say is the agenda or the gay agenda when it comes. Yeah. And folks, it's not me saying that. That's just what people are putting out there. Now I'm repeating it quotations wise. Tired of that. They tired of that agenda when it comes to all that. Why does every show have to have a gay character on it now? You know, blah, 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 blah. Well, and to that, I say, maybe it's not an agenda. Maybe it's just them being more realistic when it comes to what people are actually dealing with. Right. It's not like Ashley's character is five years old. And not to, not to d- diminish anybody who is still going through that at five years old, but by the time someone turns 12, they probably already have a pretty good idea of, hey, I, these, I'm ha- this is a way I'm feeling one way or another. So it's not like new to that. But the fact that she's actually outwardly talking about this and asking Mike, like you said, with one of her siblings, someone older, someone she can confide in, I think that's important as well. Because there's so many individuals who are of that age, male or female, who for whatever reason don't or they feel like they can't confide in anybody. So they don't. They keep it to themselves. And that's when, unfortunately, where it's potentially self-harm can come into play. And obviously, no one wants that. So people, anybody thinks that that Bel Air or any other show is, has some type of agenda, is to just calm down and stop. It, all right. Like if you like if you've never or either way, did you ever want to say that same thing by by having too many black people on TV? Did you ever say, hey, why why don't they stop with this black agenda? I mean, if you did, I guess you'd be consistent. But if you never did, why is there an agenda for this but not anything else? So, but speaking of the acting, you mentioned earlier that, and I agree that you have to get Will right. Because if that doesn't work, then it's messed up. Because Will's a whole premise of the show in general. And the one thing I found the most interesting about that, for multiple aspects, considering Will Smith actually produced this, you mentioned Jabari, who played um, Jabari Banks, I believe it is, um, who played Will Smith. He doesn't have any other acting credits. Like, this is his first ever acting role. Yeah, that was a big to-do as well. Yeah. I'm I'm like, wow, okay. And like I said, consider, consider, considering this is his first acting role, I think he did a very good job of playing the role. But also, too, the other kid actors as well, particularly Carlton, and played by, I think his name's Ollie, and then Akira, who plays Ashley, they also have very few acting credits. Ollie has only been in one other thing before this, as well as Akira. Akira, I believe, actually played uh, in Captain Marvel, 
yeah, she did. Playing Captain Marvel, she was um, Captain Marvel's friend's daughter. Remember that? That was her. Oh, okay, cool. Exactly, exactly. Coco Jones plays Hurley Banks. She's had a little more, few more roles. Nothing really put a claim to fame on. Uh, kind of the same thing with Cassandra Freeman, who plays Vivian Banks. Kind of the same thing. She's been in other stuff, but nothing like claim to fame wise. Uh, Adrian Holmes, who plays Philip Banks, he's probably a little more accomplished when it comes to certain things. Um, but definitely, it's, very, it's a very, I don't want to say unseasoned cast. I don't want to say that per se. But really, there's nothing really acclaimed the fame really up until this for all of them, especially Jabari. So I think that kind of adds to the goodness of the show, frankly. But even though you don't necessarily believe in IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes for TV shows, when it comes to the ratings on that, which I believe with IMDb, uh, IMDb at least, that's based off viewer ratings. And the viewer ratings only have the show at a 6.3 out of 10. So it had me wondering, okay, why are people saying exactly they don't like the show? And it's pretty much what I was telling you, all the stuff that you said you liked about it, they were saying they didn't like about it. Uh, certain headlines of people's reviews say, I just can't do this, utter garbage, cringy, horrible, cringy acting. It's so bad, makes me hate the original one. Why not create just a brand new show? The Prince is not fresh, horrible. I think some of you are missing the point. That person actually gave it a 10. But from any perspective, it's bad. I want I wanted to like this, but I couldn't. Uh, start off strong, then comes to the agenda pushing, which goes in what I was talking about. Um, and pretty much all those negative reviews I gave, all those people gave the show either a one, two, or three star out of ten. Um, when it comes to some of the professional people, when it comes to like Entertainment Weekly, uh, Cinema Blend, Vulture, whatever, like that, they kind of get more. I don't want to say nuanced, but they have kind of a more in-depth approach when it comes to why they don't like it. Uh, in particular, I want to find the one from Entertainment Weekly in particular. There we go. And I'll keep this real quick here. Even the in the dramatic context, Blair could use more of that sardonic spirit. They are There are straight moments of observational hilarity, um, but uh, Blair is just too much representing that old rebooting instinct to make everything extra something. Do we really need a cool Carlton, a sexy Uncle Phil, or a sad Will? Belair wants to moder modernize its source material, but I worry the main appeal for the post-Super Bowl crowd will be posting side-eye side, uh, social memes. It's the opposite of fresh. Now, I do want to point out that, um, which probably doesn't matter, but that review was posted back on February 9th, from people who actually saw the show before it released. So, um, again, I have a couple others, but I want to hear your general thought about what I just said. There's one more in particular I want to read, especially that touches on something you said. But what's your thought about that original um, excerpt I read from Entertainment Weekly? My first thought is handling, you know, uncomfortable subjects like drug abuse doesn't necessarily make mean that the show is trying to be edgy. I think about, and speaking of fucking IMDb, guess what I'm looking at right now? Different Strokes, The Bicycle Man. Remember that? Remember that fucking episode, Jason? What? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Different Strokes was handling a very uh, mature uh, subject, which is, of course, uh, 
child abuse, like sexual assault, in 1983, for Christ's sake. So my first thought when I hear people talking about how edgy a show is trying to be, Bel Air is not the first fucking show that's tried to cover a very real issue as part of a dramatic interpretation. So it, 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 it seems like that, that particular reviewer is just taking pop shots at it because it wasn't the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And you just can't hold this, you can't hold that against this show. This last one I do want to read because again, it touches on something you mentioned a minute ago. This is from um, uh, Vulture.com and it's a review they made uh, dated February 13th, the day that it came out. I'm sure they reviewed it before. But anyway, within its marketing and the, the visual landscape of the show itself is obsessed with royalty. Time and time again, Will is shown in daydreams wearing a golden crown atop a throne. At one point, his mother says, your crown is still waiting, son. Get ready to wear it. Belair may glance at a watered-down ideas that appear to speak with care toward the tangled dynamics within the Black community, but the royalty imagery is a tell indicating where the politics and interests of the show truly lie, not with breaking the systems, but by becoming their masters. It's a reminder that when racial progress is measured by Black people gaining entry into white spaces, whether Hollywood or in moneyed streets of Bel Air, it perpetuates a very, the very ideas of whiteness and power that created those systems in the first place. Your thoughts, sir? It's a fucking think piece. <laughs> right. Which... And, and, that's, and I really think when it comes to, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I kind of think when it comes to all, like Entertainment Weekly, part of this is what they're paid to do. But when it comes to Entertainment Weekly, Vulture, Cinema Blend, whatever, I feel like they're taking like a deep dive into the show and potentially looking for a way to just trash it. Or in some cases, make it look great. But I will say, and I'm sure this is the case for, for a lot, probably a lot, of, a lot of people watch the show. I never once thought about that with this show. I never once thought of the negative connotations, if there were any, which I don't think, know if there really was, to the show when it comes to how good it is for black people to, to be imaged this way or how negative it is for black folks to be imaged this way. Because I really never looked at the show as anything like that. When it comes to the issues they portray, when it comes to issues specifically for black people, I felt like, not not that I not that I was saying anything new, but I felt like they were really just saying stuff that's pretty real and accurate, without being over the top when it comes to whatever you want to put out there. I, I felt like the show wasn't wasn't over the top in any aspect whatsoever, and that's why I liked it. I found it entertaining. I too am looking forward to season two and see where they go with it. But but yeah, I feel like. Certain people were taking two deep dives in. Maybe it's because, like I said, because they're paid to do it. But I never thought that about the show. I, I definitely encourage anyone who hasn't watched it and who's kind of on the fence about it, or anybody that has that in their watch list, go ahead and watch it. Like just just like I told Terrence, watch one episode and see what you think. Yeah, it was probably one of the better decisions I made, actually, in 2022 so far. So. I think that's a perfect bow on this segment. Great chat. Looking forward.
forward to season two seeing what other crazy shit goes down in Bel Air and with that we'll wrap up the show Thank you for listening to the Cal Park Bros Podcast with your hosts, Terrence and Jason. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always leave the show feedback or show topics at calparkbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at calparkbros.com. You can also reach us at the CPB voicemail at 405-877-2767. That's 405-877-BROS. Who knows? Your message could end up on a future episode of this year's podcast. Jason, final thoughts for the people. My final thoughts are, bro, another good episode. I love the topics we talk about. And what's one thing I love about doing the show with you? We, we Folks, we never we never plan on how long we're going to talk about a certain topic. We just start talking and we go. And I feel like with this episode, it was a good example of it. We just start talking and there we go. Um, but definitely, if you like what we do, we thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We appreciate that. Make sure you connect with us on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, that is where we post all of our Between the Segments posts and whatnot. So if you like our Between the Segment uh, between the segment Banters, definitely go there. We have those posted on all the social media th- there. Also, don't forget as well, every Monday we post our segment videos to Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube every Monday night. Make sure you go there. Like It's like you might already know, audio gets dropped on Thursday. Video segment gets dropped out that, that on the next Monday. So make sure you follow us on social media for all that stuff there. Uh, also, we got one more week to get us all your anniversary messages. So make sure you keep on doing that. We appreciate that. Anniversary episodes coming. Episode 53, two weeks, April the 21st. It's coming, folks. We've had so many ideas. We had to rearrange some stuff. Got some better ideas. So it's going to be a pretty cool show. Me and Terrence are both excited about it. Not only is it a milestone, but um, definitely very special to us. So with all that stuff, folks, make sure you remember a couple of things here. Like Terrence always says, and like I'm going to continue to say as well, we are the podcast to hear and watch. So make sure you keep living it, loving it, and doing it like good Cal Park Bros, uh, Cal Park Bros nerds and Cal Park Bros stalkers. But lastly, it's that time. You know what it is. It's time for the catchphrase. Time for the hashtag. Time for the line. You all know by now we've done it 51 times. Here it is again. When it comes to all things Cal Park Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? Damn right. That's right. With that said, this is Cal Park Bros, signing off. Peace out, y'all.